commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! From the right side of the galaxy, I'm Greg Stoddack, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show with the coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a Reading Raftar special. And now your host, Ben Grevin Adam, to discuss Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil. All right. Thanks very much, Rex. Uh, welcome, everyone, yeah. to edition of Core World News. Um, exciting week this week. Uh, we get the final installment of the Thrawn Ascendancy series. Um, we're finally going to cover, um, which will be good. So we'll wrap up that trilogy of books. Um, but first, we had some exciting game news pop up this week um, during, I think, uh, one of the was it the G3 awards? The Game Awards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Game Awards. Um, and the news is that uh, the company Quantic Dream is developing a High Republic era game called uh, Star Wars Eclipse, and they put a very sexy video on the internet. Um, and yeah, I got excited about this. I saw this out of nowhere. Um, apparently, this uh, company, Quantic Green, created Heavy Rain, which is, a, I guess, a, some sort of knowledge point for this. Gentlemen, what, a, uh, what do you know about Heavy Rain? How do you feel about uh, Eclipse? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that, Heavy Rain's a kind of story-driven adventure game, and it 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 was it was enjoyable. I used to play many of the those games, those Quantic Dream games. Uh, I haven't played one in a long time. I don't know what it looks like in the sort of Star Wars universe. So I'm excited to see what they do. But this is again, this is a cinematic trailer, so we haven't seen any gameplay yet. So we're all at this point, uh, I, that cinematic trailer, if if that's indicative of the story and what the story is going to be about, that's I'm enthralled. I'm, I'm yeah compelled to, to play it now. Uh, but hopefully the gameplay, they release some gameplay trailers soon and we see, you know, what you're actually doing in the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I played Heavy Rain. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I, I had trouble when I, I didn't make the connection between this trailer, the developer and Heavy Rain. But when when Grant, you know, tipped me on that, I was a little like, really interesting. <laughs> I, I can't really picture that. That's not the same. Like every, it's not to say that every game developer though has to make the same exact game, right? Like so, so maybe they they can branch out and do something a little different. Um, I I actually wouldn't necessarily mind playing a, a heavy rain type game in the Star Wars universe, but I I, I don't think it, that's going to be a hard sell to Star Wars fans to be like go over here and swipe thirteen times to open the car door or right. To, right. There's a high level of like interactivity <laughs> in these games yeah. where you can yeah. you can interact with almost anything around you, which will be cool in the Star Wars universe because I think you want yeah. to pick yeah. up items uh, like look, in, look into holograms, uh, like, you know, artifacts, look at scrolls, look at ancient texts. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and the other thing that I thought was interesting is it's, it's connected to a specific event. In the, in the cinematic trailer, we actually see an eclipse happening. Mm. It seems to suggest that it is either caused by or related to an alien species we haven't seen before. So it's interesting to have a video game centered around a specific event. So as watching this saying, that's an interesting title. Like it, yeah. it seems to suggest it's a very linear story. I mean, this is based on nothing other than the fact that, you know, I, I, it's hard to see an open world game around something called eclipse. Right. Yeah. There's, there's also a, a public release statement 
that that gives a little info on where the game takes place in the mm. galaxy, and it's it's we're in the unknown regions, basically. Oh, really? You know, uh, space beyond the galaxy, uh, where where there's a lot to explore that you've never seen before. New planets, new worlds. I, it won't be the same old systems. It'll, it seems like it's like a whole new portion of the galaxy that we haven't seen before, which so is could, very cool. So you got word that it might be it's going to be the unknown regions in the High Republic era. Yeah. Yes. I think that's in the unknown regions are probably considerably larger back then, probably. Right. Because they're still doing sort of expansionary efforts during. The right. Republic, but, um, but we don't know if this is on the side of like wild space or the unknown regions, because you look at galactic maps, they'll kind of highlight two regions, like north and south. Yeah. I mean, all I really care about is, A, this game, like this, I know it's just a cinematic trailer, but it looks amazing. It, it yeah, like, it looks incredible. It looks it beautiful. Looks better than the prequels did, and it's a game, you know, like they, but in it, it really had that era and that detail and that a luster that I loved about the prequels. Um and, you know, lots of aliens. But, I mean, it looked, like, hyper real. And I was, like, just encouraged. I'm like, yeah, well, we can do this. Like, I I want that for, like, a live action show. If that's Or I guess it's not live action. But it's, like, when you see a Duros with an eye patch, yeah. it looks, like, standing <laughs> in front of you. Yeah. Like, it's like you're that, seeing, or, or, you know, Nemoidians as well. Uh, yeah, I think they have yeah. that introduction. in there. Yeah. And, yeah, we see the, the uh, Nemoidian uh, droid control ships. Uh, yes, yeah. command ships. And, are, it's... and they do, on StarWars.com, identify it as a Trade Federation ship. So it yeah, is. They have a cool name. No doubt. Like Leviathans, or they're called. Mm. I wish I remembered. It's a cool name. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, Ben, to kind of piggyback on the on the how visually stunning it is, there was a scene where I think when you see the drum, the drumming, yeah, there, there's a moment where you just see like the the aliens back and you see yeah. the alien breathing. And I really can't explain it. I, ca I can't really describe it, but there's something I'm like that is uncanny valley type of realism where it's just like it, it, it's clearly just it's just unbelievable watching something breathe and seeing it inhale and and just the amount of time it must have taken to render that render that. Yeah. And that whole sequence really spoke to um, some dark magic you know, new race, dark magic, not necessarily Sith, but who knows? Um, I'd, I'd love for there to be sort of different, you know, more dark tribes out there to sort of think about. And I hope it. so. I, it, yeah. it's, yeah, it, it makes me a little, um, it, I love this era in, in the books and, and I'm excited to be able to explore it, you know, kind of first person in a game. Um, and one thing I loved about Jedi Fallen Order is that you get to play a Jedi with a lightsaber. One thing that was missing from that, that it's not its fault, it's because of the era, and I think we're going to get the same thing here, is that you don't get lightsaber on lightsaber battle very much in that game because of the era. And because of this era, I can't imagine you're going to have very, you know, if you're wielding a lightsaber, we don't know if you're playing a Jedi, but I would assume you're not going to get a lot of lightsaber on lightsaber battle. And then that's really something I'm I'm craving in a Star Wars video game at some point soon, hopefully. But there were yeah. there were a lot of ship flybys in in this. Yeah, that were gorgeous. Yeah. And I think oh, that's beautiful. What you're speaking to Ben uh, when you when you're talking about this looking filmmaker cinematic, I was I I agree. Like if the movies could look like that, and we see yeah. these like bustling cities in the galaxy and in yeah. some new Star Wars live action stories, like that would that'd be exciting. Because I mean I'm loving Tatooine and Mandalorian and. Bo Book of Boba Fett, but just these cities felt sprawling, and 
it makes you want to explore again. I think that's what George was always trying to chase by giving us new planets constantly. Right. And all of that little detail was like inviting you in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yourself in that corner of the galaxy. Have you heard the rumored uh, release year for this game? I'm not going to say date. Uh, I know. Actually, the one person that showed it to me was like, we probably won't see it till like for four years. So that would be like 2026 or something. Oh, I have some good news for you. 2024 seems to be the it seems to be the rumored release date for this. Right. Well, I mean that that seems pretty tight to me. I mean, yeah, it's only two years away. Like, when's the last time they made a game in two years? Like less than five years. I mean, yeah. is it is it going to utilize some next gen technology as well? I would if you just saw the Matrix. If you if you saw the Matrix Matrix uh, Awakens trailer, I think the game the Game Awards truly next yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. The graphics are stunning. Yeah. In that. I would hope so. The Star Wars game should be pushing the envelope of the stuff, and I feel like they've always been lagging behind because Lucasfilm games just didn't have the abilities yeah. of their counterparts. And now, but I mean, like, you know, Lucasfilm now has all the best people at their disposal. They should just be they should be like people really doing cutting edge things. I think. There's still another game coming though, right? Other than this and and yeah, we have the Ubisoft, right? Ubisoft, Ubisoft uh, open right? world. So, this is yeah. awesome, and that's this is what I wanted. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know everyone sort of. I don't know. I mean, the best thing about Ubisoft to me is that they crank out games. Like they put a, you know, and if they wanted, my dream for Ubisoft would be like to create, like I don't care what it is, like Valhalla in in the galaxy far, far away. But instead of making a new game every year, expand the galaxy, expand it, yeah. make the game bigger yep. every year. Like that would be cool. But yep. you could always sort of go back and it's the same galaxy and just like in, in ten years make it like I want the whole system. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a really good idea, Ben. Like that's the way you can do a Star Wars game is is just exactly that. Like you just build out the map, right? Yes. So every year there's an expansion pack for fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, hell, fifty dollars. I don't care. Yeah, I would. But pay yeah, for an yeah. Pack. I mean, if it if it doubles again the size of the game, yeah. you know? because like I mean, all those a lot of those Assassin's Creed games didn't have like full change. It was just incremental change. It wasn't like disruptive change. Like game no. They just did in- incremental change, and honestly, they just—I think they did a lot of just reskinning and like creating. Oh, you know, they, they had a system down where it was plug and play, but they were always fun games. They're always beautiful. Oh. I mean, they released a game every single year that was pretty tight, but it was the exact same game as the game before, just in a different century, different setting. Right. And they would have one slightly new mechanic and then you would know it would change because ever so often they would stop and take three years off. Right. And then it would take three years, which, by the way, as you mentioned, in the lifespan of a game development, they would take three years off and then and do some major change, which is amazing yeah. to just be able to do that in three years. Yeah, no, they're super fast. And yeah, it just it, Star Wars deserves to have a, the biggest open world game ever. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's what Ubisoft should do. Just make it bigger. And, you know, and, and each time they do it, if they do make incremental changes to the gameplay, and you know, they can always just keep uploading it. And, you know, each new thing, they can change some mechanics in it. Um, but it will yeah. affect the whole game. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, that'd be amazing. That's my dream. Um, there's some more uh, more news that happened this week. There was a, a rumor about a casting for the lead role in... Um, in the acolyte, which we're excited about, and it's uh, Amanda Stemberg, um, who 
I'm trying to think. I looking at your face right now, Adam, and you're like, oh, that's where she's from. Yeah. So she was in the 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 Hunger Games oh, right. about about uh, the first one, and I remember her um, having read all those books and then watched the first movie, and then here's a Star Wars connection before we get to her. Uh, when I was going to go see, she's non-binary. Oh, I'm sorry. So they, thank you, Ben. Um, so when I was going to see the force awakens, uh, I was super nervous that someone's going to ruin it for me. Cause I wasn't seeing the first showing. So I went with my wife. She, I literally had AirPods in or, or had headphones on cause it was before AirPods had it cranked up. And she basically led me through the theater. We went and sat in a hunger games, whatever the third or fourth movie was, I snuck in, to hide there because no one's going to talk about Star Wars and in the movie theater while watch the that and then suck out, put my headphones back on as my wife led me through the theater to go see Force Awakens because I really didn't want to be spoiled that Han died, even though I knew Han was probably going to die. So anyway, so she uh, they sorry, were in um, the first uh, Hunger Games playing a, the youngest, I believe, um person who volunteers but the right. tribute or whatever right, right. so uh, a, a very uh a very compassionate character as i remember so so i'm really interested to see what they do in this yes yeah i mean just interesting news i mean more that's actually exactly who i figured they would you know the type they would cast for that um i don't know why well because it was leslie headland right she's running it and she said it was going to be a female-led um cast or female-led show so i guess that that was always sort of the way it was going but yeah um they look like a excellent actress and um yeah i don't know i hope it's true we'll see i'm sure we'll learn, learn more soon but i'm really looking forward to the acolyte that's going to be that's going to be an exciting show yeah covering so much new ground so excited for it all right shall we uh dip into the chaos that is um the let's go to the, let's the, go to the beyond let's yeah. go beyond the uh <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we're we're there on the bridge with Thrawn again for uh, the third installment of the Ascendancy series, Lesser Evil, um, by Timothy Zahn. Yeah, uh, six uh, six Thrawn book right in the new EU. In from, the new EU, yeah. that's impressive. Right, and then and he wrote a bajillion in the early EU. Uh, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, Last Command, Hand of Thrawn, Spectre of the Past, Hand of Thrawn 2, Vision of the Future, Survivor's Quest, Outbound Flight, Allegiance, and Choices of One. And then he also did a book called Scoundrels. What I will say, though, is I think he's written I think he's written Thrawn more in the new EU than the old EU, meaning that I think I think page for page, I, I think and number of books, I think Thrawn's only actually in four uh, four of the books. I know there's a Thrawn duology, but Thrawn's not actually in the Thrawn duology. Well, there's a lot of mystique to, to Thrawn in the old yeah. EU. Mm-hmm. And then now it seems like Zahn is doing a lot of world building. There's no mystique. And you understand exactly yeah. who he is and where and and how he got there when we first meet him in uh, the original Thrawn novel. Yeah. It's really kind of interesting how he did this. Um, I'm putting up a spoiler wall now. Um, so oh, you're going to hear what happens in this book. So um, whether you want to read this, if you want to read this and not get spoiled, 
check us out uh, at some other time after you're done reading the book. But uh, however, what I'll say is these are a actually technically a prequel to the first three Thrawn books. Yes. In the new EU. So, yeah, so not, not that I, heavy. I would ar- almost argue you can't spoil this book and to get into the just to understand yeah. Zahn's descriptions and just the, how he explores the mental space of, of Thrawn and all these other political figures and things like that. Uh, you have to just read the book, but yeah, oh, I'm we're basically just going to talk about the overarching events. So, right. And the, yes, I mean, this, these books are very much about the journey. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. so the, we have the the first trilogy that that uh, Thrawn Zahn, Timothy Zahn did um, takes us from when Thrawn is found on this planet and then his meteoric rise through um through the the empire is infiltration uh, infiltration empire. pretty much up until the beginning well, of, it's uh, what we learn now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i think we, we it was hinted at like many times before this, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, highly it, foreshadowed that it's that's what i say to to here. skip to the end completely like that is if there's there, there's any twist ending to this book it's that thrawn intended to be yeah. Exiled, basically. Exiled. It intended to be yeah. to see what was going on. It's a good look in it's the Galactic Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. he and is like, Sherlock Holmes, and it was sort yeah. of like, and you don't even learn that till the last few pages. Like you see the exile uh-huh. coming. It's like, well, that's a bummer, man. That seems kind of harsh, but then you're like, oh no, no, no. Yeah. Old Thrawny Poo did it again, <laughs> just as I intended. <laughs> right. Well, I, so here's, I will say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip to the end in terms of. By th- this book was not necessarily for me. Um, I'll just say that from the from the standpoint, not bad. Just I, I wasn't really digging it for whatever reason. However, what I'll say is something I just appreciate with what you just said is that sometimes I feel like Palpatine is saying that's all according to my plan, even though most of the time it's not necessarily according right. to his plan. Yeah. I feel like with Thrawn, they do a better job of, oh, no, it literally was all according to his plan. <laughs> all that has transpired is done so according to yeah. his design. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, so I did like, I liked all three of these books very much. I yeah. really, you know, I remember coming into these, the first, you know, Ascendancy, seeing the Chiss Ascendancy for the first time, being really excited yeah. by it. Yeah. It's a very different world out in the chaos. Um, and the ascendancy. And so I, I really liked that. But then after that, these books really boiled down to Thrawn's naval career and Thrawn's political career. And, yeah. you know, the friends he, you know, the, the people that believe in him the and the people that are afraid of the way. Yeah. <laughs> the obstacles he's. Had yeah. And, and it just goes and it, it's a lot of, you know, these key battles. It, I mean, Zahn did a beautiful job of, creating this really complicated chain of events and opponents linking them all together to culminate in the last battle at the end of this book. Um, I, I, you know, it it was, it's a very tenuous path. I don't really understand it. You don't really need to understand it. Um, Thrawn gets These books to me are what if Starfleet was run by an oligarchy of families. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and they would keep, they would do anything to keep their mission and their society, their civilization. There is that interesting dichotomy of, and I'm not quite sure where I fall on this, but but these books and this one especially plays on politics versus military, right? Yeah. Because you have the families, and then you have the grant 
help me. What's it called? The expansionary. The the, oh, the expansionary the defense, defense fleet. fleet, which is just made up of like people from all the different families that are supposed to be above it, right? Above kind of the politics yeah. of it. And it's it's interesting, right? This idea of like politics versus yeah, uh, they do, military, right? And the, so the families are called like the aristocra, and you know it's interesting in that the they stand aside, like the defense does defense and politics does politics, and they're not supposed to, you know, even though. The aristocracy is like the overarching, you know, governance of the ascendancy. They don't really govern the defense like fleet. That's like it's it's not privatized, but it's it's like non-governmental. They just like they have two. They have the expansionary defense police, which is the one that's like outward facing and goes out into the chaos and like looks for trouble. And then they have the defense fleet, which is just the one that um, stays in the in the ascendancy and in defense. So, yeah. That's, I mean, I guess that's that's the board game here. But what you get, and what my favorite part of this is, is all this series of naval maneuvers that show off how overpowered Thrawn is compared to the field. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and he it it goes over and over again. There's a bunch of key battles. He just, you know, it, it's it's broken up by these political infighting and you know that his you know rise through um, the ascendancy. But I love them. I just I love every one of them. Uh, they're exciting. I didn't like them as much for whatever reason in the last trilogy where he was actually fighting the Grisks in the um, I, they didn't stand out as much. But these like him throwing his element, I, I really liked. And they, they, and I agree. I feel like there was more weight in, in yeah. these. In these it, it was more every time it happened. And boy, did it happen a lot in this book. It, it did carry weight to it. I, I, I will say. I, I'm going to take a more critical, not more, but I'm gonna, my my critical standpoint of it is, I, I just looked at the page number, and I'm reading this on my, you know, iPad, and so I, I get percentages, yeah. and, and th- when I looked at the page count, this book was 576 pages long. It was a doorstop for us. It's a long book. I, I, it's a long book for Star Wars book. Yeah. It's and a and third again as long as most Star Wars books. Yeah. So, so, so a lot of political intrigue. It's yeah, you gotta yeah, love it. Well, you, you had got, to tie it all up. I, mean, yeah. I guess you have to if you're gonna love it. Um, so the the other thing I'll ask is and, and I mean this, I, I'm gonna take the more critical standpoint of this, being that again, I, I don't I Zod is a great author and this is really well written. And I'm really struggling with why this book did not necessarily connect with me. That's all. Like, I don't think it's bad at all. But I guess something I come back to is we've talked a lot about Thrawn being uh, Sherlock, right? Yeah. He's very much a Sherlock character. Mm-hmm. Who's his Moriarty? Well, it changes all the time. So who's ever his next to the Oh, Moriarty, you mean? Yeah. yeah who's his Moriarty? Right. The political is is he though? Yeah. Like I just I feel like we're missing a Moriarty in these books. Thrawn just feels so OP when I'm reading these books that every yeah. time I'm like, and this is how he gets out. Like, how is he gonna get out of it's it's well, very much how is he gonna he, get out of it? He this? had tougher competition in the the first the, the Thrawn trilogy because yeah. Risks had already experienced these three books and now they realize the level of well, which they need well, Jixus, to Jixus is Moriarty because he's also yeah. Like planning and uh, yeah, I think that's what they're going for, right? Yeah, which is Moriarty. And if you listen to any of our other, re, uh, you know, recaps of these books, you'll know we were convinced that that was Jixtus was the emperor. 
or actually, yeah. I really thought up he until was a the, messenger drone. Of up the until emperor. the like yeah. this book, basically reading this book, I I thought Jixus was the emperor, and now it's revealed. And I want to put that back on me. I I, I want to take a second and be a hundred percent honest with my with my reaction to this book, where I was so convinced that Jixus was somehow connected to Palpatine, either Palpatine, a messenger droid, or working for Palpatine. That would that didn't come to fruition. I was like, really? I, I read that book, all 576 pages, where I was saying, okay, are you going to tell us now? Are you going to tell us now? Right. I, I, it literally to the, to the last sentence of the book. And when it didn't happen, so, so part of what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> I love how I'm now asking you all to help me through my reactions to this book, is that was my reaction to this book because it didn't do what I thought it was going to do? In which case, that's on me. That's not on Zahn, right? Like, I came in with my own preconceived thoughts about well, I think what you, I think you just, supposed I think you just to. Want, you want time. to believe Palpatine had it all worked out, even yeah. beyond the, the the galaxy and the unknown regions. And uh, it feels like they have the same motivation to disrupt the Chiss ascendancy, to, you know, to cause yeah. the unknown regions to fall into disarray. Like, they, and then to seize control. Like, that's... And then if Exegol's out there and certain locations are out there that the Emperor would be interested in, it would work perfectly if if the Emperor was just using a strange code name and basically controlling, you know, his schemes and machinations were taking place out in the unknown regions as well. Like that would that makes, makes perfect sense to me. Honestly. I was convinced it was a messenger droid. Like my headcanon, yeah. those messenger droids covered in black veil. Yeah. And like he just, you know, he zips into that thing. He Skypes into his messenger droid whenever he needs to. Because there aren't any droids. It'd be a great reveal because there's not a lot of droids. Yeah. Almost none in these no. books. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's a weird omission that you pointed out, Grant. That yeah. yeah. That I never really realized. No droids yeah. in, the, in the ascendancy, which is weird. It's wild. But Ben, the second you, you had mentioned. I don't know if it was on air or just one of our conversations that he was a messenger droid. That was in my brain the entire time. Cause I'm like, that makes total sense. Cause there's no way Palpatine's like out there actually sitting on ships doing these things. But the messenger droid thing made total sense to me. So I blame you. Yes. Sorry for, for this though. <laughs> well, yeah. Then, then they're just like, he's just, a, I mean, I thought even the way they described it, it like floats, like it, it, you know, they're like, but you know, the way that Jixus moves, okay. like he floats around the room or something. So I'm going to ask you this question because this is my, this is my role now apparently in this is why did they make such a big deal about his face being cloaked every time they would actually give a description about Jixtus they really made a point and they I mean but, I mean Zahn made a point of his face being covered that you couldn't yeah. see what his face looked like I, I, well, it was, I think it's it was always because, kind of vague describing the grisk though he's always kind of kept yeah. the mystique with that enemy there's like still a permanent mystery surrounding the grisks. And like, I, I mean, it, it has to be created that way for a reveal. We did right. get in this book that the reason why the grisks cover themselves is because mm -hmm. we will not reveal ourselves until the chiss are destroyed. And yeah. it's sort of like, okay. <laughs> um, so is it that Zahn's playing a longer, a longer term game than we're giving yes. him credit? For? Yeah. I think so. Okay, because you don't do that and then never reveal the enemy. Like I get it; it's a good thing. But so this was a prequel, so we already—I mean, he's his hands are a little tied there. Yeah. But we know that even when uh, Thrawn faces off with them in the you know the lesser space, also known as the Galaxy Barbar Way, they uh, you know they don't get they destroy themselves before they can get any glimpse of what the Grisks look like. 
So we still don't know, but we do know we are going to eventually see Thrawn in live action, probably in the Ahsoka series. Right. Uh, because Ahsoka is chasing him. So I think, you know, I don't know what kind of, what the ascendancy looks like when he goes back there, uh, when, when Thrawn goes back into the unknown regions, or even if he makes it back to the ascendancy. But I, I would assume once he gets launched by a Purgle, he would try to get... I think that's the allotted uh, coincidence, is someone in the ascendancy finding him. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then he has like a political thing, but they could be shattered. Maybe the Grisks won, you know? There's also... Uh, Eli Vanto, is that the name? Right, yep, yeah. So he was, after that thing, after the, the yeah, first... Exile. Uh, yeah, Eli was, he, Thrawn sent Eli out to the Chiss Ascendancy to help them. So that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, and actually, this is, Adam, you're probably going to swallow your tongue, but this, <laughs> reading this made me want to reread the, the Thrawn trilogy again. No, at least, actually. At least that first, yeah, like, I mean, paragraph where they find him on the planet, you know? No, no, no. I, I, as much as this book didn't connect with me, I, it kind of made me, how <laughs> to you and better, it made me want to actually reread the entire Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, this, this trilogy, without the preconceived notions about Jixtus in my brain. Like, I, I feel like I set myself up in a way for this but no i he's i mean as much as this book didn't connect zon is a really great storyteller he, he this is really interesting and and i just I, anyway so so no i i, I totally I like, get that uh, the, i like the whole the beyond and the third sight and the elaboration yes on that stuff in this book especially i thought that was cool a lot of those those kind of new lore tidbits we got about um even thron's long lost sister yeah uh, that was all these wow. new things that I, didn't really pay uh, off. Like, hmm. did they? They didn't even meet, right? He didn't know. Yeah, and she was. Like, oh, we know she weeks. exists, and we know she's a Skywalker. So it's like, does Thrawn maybe have some latent force? force yeah, yeah, you kind of sense that, but he. I think he has like the. Yeah, he almost has like the Han Solo luck or something. Yep. Yeah, he'll yeah. thread the needle kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah. Like he is, also, he is. that. Go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. Um, you also brought up the third site and, and they, they sort of keyed, like, I really expected them to be like, and this is how we fix Skywalker so that they, um, can't maintain their abilities through their whole life. We didn't touch that at all. It, it, he ended up going a weird route with the mages where they sort of discovered a new force ability where it's yep. like really like seeing the future when you like team up like two different force users. So he's really just creating his own sort of force mythology within yeah this it's really cool this, like i would love yeah. to explore more of that almost a yeah. force leaning book uh set in the unknown regions would be cool right and all the rules are different out there which yeah. is cool which is what i love like i love this is the part of the book i when i was highlighting things i looked through it this morning to get myself prepared for this and realized the only things i highlighted were anytime they talked about the force which yeah it, i just think Zahn has such a really smart connection with this where. All right, so I'm going to get somewhat like talking about religion. So being very careful here as someone who is agnostic at best. But I feel like every, all we look at all of the religions across the world, we're all connecting on something, right? We're trying to explain some type of connection. 
right? Whatever that connection might be. And I love that Zahn is doing this, where that every society within the Star Wars larger galaxy has some part of that mystery, right? I think yeah. it's really fascinating. Yeah. And 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 I and I think it's really makes it makes the most sense to me why why we have the Jedi over here, we have the Knight Sisters way over here, we have the Skywalkers here, and we have the the Magists over here. That they all have these little pieces and connection, they feel this connection, they understand it, but because of their cultural differences, they connect to certain parts of it more than others. Yeah. Right. Yeah, actually, the that book, which I feel like I'm always referring back to, uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker, which I think mm-hmm. is the young reader one, um, was an awesome ride. But they really explore that. It's, it shows, you know, six or seven stops on Luke's journey to be with other Force users and how cultures use the Force. That's now. something you, I wish you had mentioned in, like, The Last Jedi to Rey. Maybe, like, yeah. you know, these people call this that. These people call it this. Yeah. Well, they, there Jedi. was a there was an homage to that book when he uses that giant pole to spear fish like a hundred feet away. That was yeah. what one of the cultures that he spent time right. with. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a nod, but I know it wasn't what you were asking for there. Like an on the nose kind of like. Because yeah. I mean, it is cool what Zahn's done here. Now, I feel like this could happen anywhere in any other sector of the galaxy we don't know about or hasn't been explored. So. It also leads to a what if question, right? Like we, because of the way Star Wars is introduced to us, we we have a tendency or a bias to believe that the Jedi's connection to the force is the end all be all way we see the force. And it's like, what if a outside force has some other version or connection to the force that the Jedi aren't aware of, right? Like, it's just really interesting where you just kind of open this up that, it, it, again, it, it also democratizes the force in a way that I love that yeah. everyone experiences, every culture experiences the force. It's mm-hmm. it's it's based on those preconceptions about why or the way they actually tap into it. Yeah, and there's been a lot of experimentation with the force in the unknown regions mm-hmm. to great effect, like to yeah. as great effect, I would say, as the Jedi yeah. and the Sith. And to have Thrawn interested in it, I love, right? I love the fact that he is slightly connected, like starting to see these connections. That, I have to think he sees it as yeah. a as a weapon, and that he could one he could <laughs> harness it at some point. I think that's what we might see. In he loves a good weapon. He loves, like, I think, yeah, I think you're looking at a weaponized Jedi in Ahsoka. Since he had this like yes. ancient like disabler nets that they don't even use in the thing, but he found them, and like that was his secret ride that he was like, you know what, I can use these dumb nets. And like he used them like four or five times in this yeah. book, just like completely <laughs> blindside the adversary. And he was That's like, what he, does. he just needs a he just needs one like little thing, and it changes everything. Which is interesting. I always think about why he loved the the defender. I honestly, I think it was just Filoni wanting to like tie in the the tie defender like for the nerd. yeah. Right. But he it, but it, like, it was Ron was like you know if you have these ships instead of a super huge laser you will conquer the galaxy if you just make these things, yeah. and um you know the the rebels our 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 friends the rebels uh, destroyed that before that could he could make that happen yeah but then you have the whole him using the was the the gravity well I can't even remember what it's called yeah the gravity yeah. generator yeah the that gravity was generator first book yeah later, like, um, and yeah. 
Yeah, Braun, he doesn't yeah. need much. He just needs like one little advantage. Mm-hmm. So I think he's looking at the force and he's like, if I could just tweak this to do it yeah. something. <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah. He doesn't care about the mysticism. It's all about strategy to him. So if it's something he can use to his advantage, he absolutely, absolutely will. Which I like, which is really interesting. And, and which is why it leads me to if we don't get Ezra tied up as a Skywalker <laughs> in yeah. navigating Ahsoka, the chaos. Right. I'll be fine. You don't have to use my idea, but my idea is the best idea. And if it's I something else, you chose the less superior idea. idea. I think um, Ezra is going to help Thrawn willingly. I, it's just I, so tough to read about Thrawn as a protagonist so many times. And I know, I don't know, unless is Thrawn directly responsible for uh, Caleb or Kanan Jarrus's death? I don't really think so. You know, but I could see him being like, you know, Thrawn just being like, well, I I took a big L on that one. You know, this is the thing. And I could see him sort of talking Ezra into uh, into doing it. And this is one note. I'm sort of skimming my notes here at the same time. But one of the most important one. And I want to ask you both this. Uh, does Thrawn make everyone around him better? Yes. Yes. He's a he's oh, a oh, uh, he is one of the most effective leaders right uh, i've ever seen he does that like he, yeah it's a rising tide you know right yeah. he impresses people but it's like his like he could be some people view him as aloof but those are the ones that sort of come at him with knives out but if you're like humble around him he will be humble around you and he he doesn't want to be like he's just a little you know he's a little touched and it, he you know he doesn't want to be condescending he wants to you know be at people's level but he has a tough time communicating in that way yeah, um, but he's, yeah. He'll open up to people and tell them his plan at any time if you just yes press him. If you just like talk to him. No, absolutely. Like I, I, I like this character, which is weird. Like they've done such a good job because in in like Zahn clearly thinks of him as a protagonist, which I think is yeah. the best way to write this character. And it's so interesting because you give him these six books in the new EU, and he really is a protagonist in them. Yeah. It, it's it's harder because. Zahn is forced to write him as an antagonist in the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Right. But you still kind of root for him. Like, he's still yeah. really attractive. And then you get other people dealing with him. And they and they did a really good job in Rebels. But they're clearly like, we need a new big bad. And so it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him in in the live action. Right. But, Which way do they go? Yeah. I, I hope they make him... An antagonist, but someone that you understand, right? Like not, I don't know. It's it's really it's a it's a needle of thread. But I will say, I have a, I have. What one if he quote doesn't want I, the new republic to? Yeah, go for it. Uh, bulwark itself and, and and gain forces. And what if he wants to remain disruptive to the main galaxy? Because that was his mission from the start. That is his mission, but his mission, and this is actually going to lead into the quote I want to read from this book, yeah. because what this book ends with is that as we talked about at the beginning of the segment is that he decided or his goal was to get exiled because he wanted to see what was going on in the galaxy. Right. Because he says my job, this is a quote, my job, the sole reason for my existence is to defend the Chiss ascendancy and protect my people. I will do whatever is necessary to achieve that goal. And I will allow nothing and no one to stand in my way. So, which we true, have right? to take him at his word. So whatever we see him doing in Ahsoka or this crossover thing has to be for the Chiss ascendancy. So he's not part of the Empire because he believes in Palpatine's goal. 
he's part of it because he wants to help the Chiss ascendancy. Right. That's why I, I could see a thing where he actually convinces Ezra to help the Chiss ascendancy fight off the Gris. If he convinces Ezra that this Grisk threat is greater, you know, maybe they've gotten stronger and stronger over the years um, than whatever is going on in lesser space. Then, then I could see sort of like in Ahsoka, if they finally make it to the Chiss ascendancy and they find Ezra, he could be a little Colonel curtsy and like, yeah. and yeah. sort of is just like he's in the middle of this massive war, being like, you don't understand the horror, the Grisks are coming. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. or that, like, yes, these families are dysfunctional and they're infighting, but yeah. what we're not seeing that, are two giant superpowers trying to kill each other, which is what I was raised in. Yeah. Right, this idea of the rebels and the empire and the new republic. By the way, I am not arguing for oligarchies. I'm just saying it's a really interesting way to to, to so tell do you the want story. Chis, do you want Thrawn to be helming a star destroyer or a like uh, something like the Spring Hawk or like a Chiss I mean, ascendancy? From an aesthetic standpoint, Chis. I want him. I want him on a star destroyer. Yeah, me too. I also want him on a star destroyer. <laughs> I know. I actually was so because I was thinking Krijistus was an M. M- uh, you know, was the emperor. I kept expecting them to describe one of the shifts being like, oh, it's giant and right? shaped. And yes, like, it's a giant wedge. I thought yeah. the same exact thing. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we never we never really got that. In fact, these ships are entirely alien to my mind's eye. I don't know. I'm thinking of, I don't know, just sort of bulbous ships. Like, I don't really. There's not a lot of description, to be honest. I, I And I feel like that's big, bigger, small. They have lasers. That's it. And and that's not I mean, Zahn is not I mean, he may not be like it's it's really interesting when you read these these authors. He's not the most descriptive writer. That's not where his interests lie. His interests lie in describing the internal motivations, the characters of setting up where the pieces on a chessboard lie. He's really good at that. Um, at the he same time, age, like, exactly, exactly. And I, I think at the same time, he's purposely not describing what these ships look like. Well, like it call, is the he calls them like description. shatter, shatter class. Yeah. But that's right. Whatever that class or that means round lions or yeah. Yeah. So I really there was think... one ship called the Hope Breaker, which was pretty awesome. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah, the the I knew villainous. I thought of you, Grant. It's a villainous <laughs> ship. Oh, my goodness. I, I have to believe that these ships are not described and the Grisks are not described for a reason. I still think there's a larger yeah. thing at play here because I kept ex- expecting because what I love about the series in particular is that it takes place outside of our galaxy or or the star wars galaxy well it actually takes place within but in, in, in terms of what we know we're dealing with areas that there, there are no humanoid characters right meaning that there's no like han yeah. solo i find that refreshing with this it's very refreshing and so i kept expecting to play on that to be like whenever they describe an alien looking thing like the grisk that could just be a human to us <laughs> like a like a right, right. so I still think we might get a third trilogy from Thrawn or from Zahn that builds on this stuff. When would they place it? That's a really good question, and I have no idea. What if it's, it's a prequel pretty... to like the Star Flash incident or something like that with the what's described in this book? Oh yeah. Well Thrawn wouldn't wasn't alive. 
I know it's, I'm saying it's a, it doesn't mean Thrawn because you could just do yeah. more. Just, just yeah, that's I mean, Ben, that's really a good question because this this book closed the loop in a way I was not expecting. Right, this this yeah. butts directly against the first trilogy. Right, I mean, and it leads us, and then that trilogy leads right into Rebels, and Rebels leads to uh, essentially where we are now in the Mando. Exactly. But can, but can you, do you, do you feel like the, I mean, I, I mean, no, I'm not even going to ask that question because that's a, that's a, that's a stupid question. The, the Jixt and, or Jixtus and Grixt story is not done at the end right. of this book. Right. Right. No, he fights the Grixts again, you know, later. The other, actually, you could put it, you could do one after, um, right after the Purgle incident, incident with Ezra. Leading up right. to wherever they find him in, um, assuming they find him in the live action Ahsoka series, because there's enough time there that they could, you could do three books. Right, because the Purgle incident happened. I love that we're referring to the Purgle incident. <laughs> incident. Yeah. <laughs> Make a short story called the Purgle incident. Uh, but that takes place right about at the beginning of. A New Hope, right? Or ish? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Right before um right before Rogue One. Yeah. So you have you have six, seven years between that and or more between that and when we're gonna see Thrawn again in live action, we assume. And I could see, I mean, maybe it starts with live action and they refer back to it and then then we get the books later. The books, year. yeah. But because it's probably just going to be like, you know, as soon as they find Ezra or Thrawn, they'll be like, what are, where have you been? And like cue montage. And <laughs> be cool if Thrawn had like hybrid outfits that are like Imperial and Chiss ascendancy. Like, yeah. Characters. Together, yeah, definitely. Working together. There's a lot of nods there when he gets like, you know, kicked out or exiled. And they're like, ah, it's like, you would have looked really good in Admiral White. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, can I go through some of my favorite uh, quotes in here? Yeah. Please do. There's one. Um, oh, all right. So, yeah, he's totally like he doesn't take any L's in this book. Thrawn doesn't take any L's in this book. No. And there's yeah. like this one character, uh, Rosku, um, and she yeah. I hated very much at the beginning. I don't really like her at the end, actually, either. But she does have sort of she was like his rival in like school. And like just tries to punk him, and she's not a very virtuous character at all. Um, but uh, she, he was like, he was like, I have one question for you. He's like, How did you know they were coming to Plecknock? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I just said that word. Um, <laughs> and she's like, What? You think you're the only clever one in the ascendancy? And then he's like, uh, And Dora goes, Ah, I see. You didn't know, did you? The car classically sent ships to all of them. She's like, I didn't say that. And he goes, Yes, I know. It's <laughs> 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 like. Like it's that's like, classic Thrawn, dude. That's yeah, like, yeah. Like that. Um, and oh, then oh. there's there was finally one, um, where actually, so there's Jixtus just puts the Generalius, uh, <laughs> in its place. It's yeah. like, so that there's this, you know, his latest tools are these, this, like, they're religious, they're a religious cult that are trying to convert people through pain, and like, it's like a, you know, it's. They're not not missionaries. What are the ones? Um, crusaders. Yeah. For like, their religion. And they're like, you will convert to our enlightened thinking. And so <laughs> he finally just like loses on him. He's like, uh, Jixus goes, you're a fool, Generalius. The Chiss won't accept your path. Certainly not willingly. Weren't you listening to Thrawn at Zizek when he said the Chiss have their own ancient paths? They won't be interested in yours. Nikari says, our path is superior. 
And no, Jesse said flatly, your path is simplistic, self-contradictory, and self-defeating. The only ones who accept it are those the Kiljis are able to force it upon. And um, it was fine that, like, it was just like, you know, it, it was just nice to see Jix just, just like roast. Oh, yeah, cutting. One time. Cut their alias down. I will say, which is, which is really interesting. Um, so, this idea of like the Enlightenment, right? Like, that's, they kept referring yeah. to this as the Enlightenment. And Enlightenment and pain <laughs> make me think of a specific character or, or species. From old EU. Any, any guesses? That, oh, was it the was it the the Yuzhan Vong? It is. And part of me is like, is this a long term flirting with? Do we want to recanonize Yuzhan Vong stuff? Right, like I and I keep coming back around to that with the gistic with the Grix and stuff like that. That could be what the Grisks are. They could be the Vong, and like they take off yeah. the and they've been like self-naming themselves this whole time. Yeah, I, it'd be interesting. And and again, as as someone who's slowly working his way through, yeah, <laughs> that book. I'm actually like four books away from the end of that series, <laughs> which yeah. is a long series. Actually, I think you just nailed it, Adam. That's why we don't know what the Grisks look like because they like he's keeping these characters in a package in case he wants to use. I in like, case, I feel like the yeah. Kilji and the Grisk are. Are, are different than the Yuzan Vong in a lot of ways as well. So I, I, I think we, st- I, I yeah. don't know if there's any recanonization of the Yuzan Vong. Going I don't know there. either. I feel Possible like it depends elements. on who, I think it's there enough if they really wanted to, right? Like, I feel like that's part of why they're just teasing the stuff out to be like, do we want to do this? Is this something that we could do? You know? And if they decide, no, it's fine. It doesn't ruin anything. And otherwise, if they decide to go that route, you can say, oh, we've planned it all along. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing here, like uh, Thrawn has a plan. And he's like, he's, you know, to reach out to the Empire. Um, and he was like, well, if General Skywalker survived the war, war, I'm quite sure he'll remember me. If not, surely someone will recall him fondly enough to grant me a hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like that was his thing, and you're like, oh, well, yes, and that whole thing happened on uh, yeah, part two, right? And he puts it together, like, yeah, he realizes, like, he's like, I know who you are. I forgot they went to part two. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he also yeah. Thrawn says I'll be gone a year at most. <laughs> yeah, just a year. I'm pretty sure it was at least six or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's at least six. Mm. Oh yeah, that was the thing over here. So um, yeah, there. All right. So the, one last question for you all: um, Are we going to see any of the characters around Thrawn in in um, Ahsoka? No. Do we see Arlani? <laughs> yeah, I might, you might see Arlani maybe. Or, or, or... <laughs> um, yeah, Arlani or um, Zinda or Keith. I, I would love to. I don't think so. I, I think I think with a lot of stuff, it's kind of like, here's the Bible. Here's, you know, here's the I mean, Dave Filoni knows all this stuff. Actually, you know what? Now I've just said the name Dave Filoni. We might. <laughs> we might. Because right. he also likes to play, he likes to give yeah, the deep, you know, lore bomb. So maybe. I'm going to I'm going to backtrack and say, yes, there's a possibility we do. Yeah. Um, 
do you have any uh do you have a favorite ancillary character in in this book i have one um um uh, i i really like quillari you do i do yeah. uh, mostly because like cool. I, he's just i just it's it's i enjoy the fact that he's a force sensitive character he is completely just trying to survive the entire time <laughs> like that's his entire goal is to not die and how much i also enjoy how much it's just like he has like wings on his face yes and then we hear about those wings <laughs> a, lot, a lot which is why i enjoy it's just i got a real good uh internal visual of this character by the time this book's done so a great I enjoy song called i have a head with wings and ah. <laughs> i should listen yeah. to that while i'm reading this book yeah, Mark Sandman might have had something different in mind. I, I got I liked Samacro in this book. Yeah, um, yes, it was great. I thought all the scenes with Samacro were outstanding. And uh, yes. I similarly he, runs, he does it a run of it on the ship. Yeah, we got a lot more Samacro in this. He had an interesting yep. journey from like like he seems sort of like petty at the beginning of this, where he was like, "Why did he get my thing?" But when we, yeah. he sort of came around, and he finally it took three books for him to. Um, to trust Thrawn, uh, but ended up being a Which, great. Yeah, it was a fun arc. Because it's literally almost at the very end of the book. He's like, I still don't like him, <laughs> but I respect and trust him. Which I'm yeah. like, that's yeah. a nice little. That's a that's a good needle to thread for him. That yeah. character, I buy that. Yes, yeah, he's probably my top ancillary character. That's a good one. Um, mine's yeah. not a good one, but um, did so. Grant, you listened to the audiobook. Yes, um, Adam, you did not. I did not. So I started, I did about Wait, two chapters on the audiobook. I mean, right, like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was long enough for me to hear Ramus's voice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the audiobook is bizarre yeah. because everyone has a different, like, Earth accent. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Kalori, uh, definitely from the Middle East area. Like, Interesting. Maybe New yeah, they York. choices. Area, they choices. yeah. <laughs> Jewelry District, New York, kind of sounds like yeah. what it was. Okay. And, um, Wutru had like an Australian accent. Um, she's one of my favorite characters too. But Ramus has this butt chin yeah. hero. Was <laughs> yeah. it that character that has wears like really short like skirt in um uh he's the commander in um Futurama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, Come on. All right, yeah. here we go. He's like, <laughs> I will prime the shuttles. Ramus. Yeah. Yes, my name is Ramus. And like when I read it at first, I was like, Ramus, that's his name. And then uh, but then his 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 voice is like everything you say, anything you say, Roscu. Oh, and he man. had like really kind of funny lines when you especially. Yeah. Oh, Zach Brannigan. Yeah. Zach Brannigan. Yeah, that's it. sorry. It was driving me nuts. Thank I mean, you. the future is one of my favorite shows. And I'm like, oh, who? And I can <laughs> picture like, him. And, oh, sorry. Zach sorry to just Zach Brannigan. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, Ramus. He was, <laughs> it was kind of a hilarious character. And I was like, well, as soon as they gave him the ship, I'm like, yes, Ramus is, should be the captain. But no, Rose Koo apparently <laughs> <laughs> has more thing. But uh, yeah, that was it. Um, yes, that's uh, that's what I got here. I had one more question for you, and I like literally two seconds ago, I thought of something. But. <laughs> I, that I love the world building in these books across all these books and going to the different world and it travels like a star wars film would yes yeah and it's, it's fascinating to think that this is all happening like literally adjacent to the galactic empire 
right? Like it's just it's right there. So something's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Something else is gonna come out of it. But um, anyways, it was a delightful read. I really, I think the fact that I, I read it essentially in like two days was like that helped because I just like I was able to feel the like through lines and the threads, and I didn't forget anybody, and it just like nice. just flowed for me. That's probably better. I wrote it like five, <laughs> I read it like five percent a day, and it and it was it's like a it, month. Right. It, it took a while, but I, I will say I really appreciated having this conversation with you all. I, 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 I actually appreciate this book more having, right. having talked to you about it. And I'm like, I, I may have came in, come in somewhat negative on it. And now I'm leaving going, eh, it was a good ride. I enjoyed this in, in relation to everything else. So thank you for reframing. And that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Yeah, thanks very much for listening to us this week. Uh, we'll get back at you next week with uh, news and stories and more fun throughout the galaxy far, far away. So uh, have a fantastic week. We'll see you then. May the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the force will be with you always. Always. <laughs>